Well, welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, very glad to be sharing time with you today. Also grateful that we can uh, take a look at what's going on in the world and uh, understand, of course, that uh, we're still dealing with the weather. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where this Pineapple Express phenomenon has been something that has really just kind of, uh, I don't want to say it crept up on us, but anytime you see the weather turning out the kind of weather like we had in uh, in LA over the weekend or you know now San Diego is just really just kind of underwater I mean I don't know how else to describe it um it is it's just kind of a trip and um you know we're grateful for the the rainy weather we're grateful for the water obviously one thing that you don't hear uh in a situation like this is the fact that there have been a lot of places where drought had uh kind of been uh, wreaking havoc and uh, now, of course, we don't have uh, quite as many of those problems. I mean, I, it's it's really remarkable. People will bellyache and complain about, you know, what's going on and how horrible it is, et cetera, et cetera, because the rain is such an inconvenience. But then we forget that some of those same people are the same people are saying, yeah, drought, drought, drought. Remember, the, when we first started the Bottom Line Show, I know I'm getting all sentimental here. I'm not sure why. But the fact that you're seeing... Um, you know, the amount of uh, rain that has hit and in certain places. And it is actually creating a bit of havoc on the roadways, but at the same time, it's also eliminating um, the drought situation. I mean, in so many different places. How many lakes that were literally barren, bone dry, where they were finding cars and appliances and things like that are now almost near capacity. Now you've got the opposite problem where we move forward and, um, you know, there, there's almost too much water. Um the, the the plume of subtropical moisture that cruised last night through San Diego, for example. Um, one of those things that said uh, this is the type of thing, North County especially, four to six inches of rain, uh, three to four inches San Diego. And that now, again, that's by Sunday, okay? So um, understand that you're going to hear a lot of gloom and doom. As a matter of fact, earlier today, I had the privilege of joining my colleague Neil Boron on the Bottom Line Show's uh, sister station, WDCX, in Buffalo, New York. Neil hosts a show called Neil Boron Live, in addition to being part of the National Crawford Roundtable. And he shot me a text yesterday afternoon. He said, hey, man, are you okay? I mean, what's going on with the, the temps and this, that, and the other thing, the weather, the rain? And I said, you know what? Jump on board and uh, let's have a conversation. So we opened his show uh, just to let people know what's really happening about the situation with, you know, the weather as it is, of course. But then also... Um, the idea that, uh, you know, it, it's you know, the, the, the news headline idiom is if it bleeds, it leads. I don't know how else to describe it, but if it bleeds, it leads. And that's why it is so important for us as Christians, especially to do our due diligence and figure out why uh, we have the situation that we do with regard to the weather, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So pay a close attention to what's really happening. Obviously, get on the chat um, here at the, the K-Bright app and um, drop your comments in. What's the weather like where you are? I can honestly say, as an Orange Countyan who has been spending some time with my sister in Tustin, the rain has been tough, but it hasn't been unbearable. So, um, you know, t take, that to, take that to heart and, uh, and, you know, make sure that we're asking for prayer for things that are legitimate, you know, tough concerns. But at the same time, we don't want to get to the point where we're just, you know, saying, oh, yeah, you know, New York Times has a problem. Washington Post, problem, problem, problem. You heard about this plume in San Diego that is going to create more havoc on places where there's already flooding. But an extra three to four inches, it isn't the end of the world. It is going to be tough, though, and that's something we should be focusing on.
Okay, it is Super Tuesday, and uh, coming up this hour, Christina Bob, who is uh, President Trump's campaign attorney, the author of the book Stealing Your Vote, is going to join me. We're going to get an update on the Trump campaign. Uh, the victory, of course, seems to be a foregone conclusion for the former president, and uh, possibly, you know, he'll be president 45, and then he'll be president 47 if he does win. He really only has one challenger left in the field, and that's former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who was actually a member of Donald Trump's cabinet, you'll recall. Uh, she was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations for the first two years Donald Trump was in office. And they did not have like the most palsy-walsy relationship. <laughs> is, that a, is that even a word? Uh, I, I heard that hurdle-durdle, I think it is. Uh, it's a Scottish term, which just means to lay around and do nothing. Um, Herkle-durkle. So <laughs> but nonetheless, so palsy-walsy is not how you would describe the relationship between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. But something strange is going on right now in one of the key uh, red states here in the United States that's having a primary today, but they're also having a caucus. And it's really, it's kind of strange because here comes Donald Trump trying to win the Nevada primary. But at the same time, the uh, Nevada caucus is also going to be going on. Now, here's how this works. It's very strange. U.S. News and World Report has the report for us. Uh, by all accounts, Nikki Haley is going to hope to derail Donald Trump's uh, march to the presidential nomination uh, because she's going to win tonight's uh, Nevada primary quite handily. Here's the thing, though. Nikki Haley winning the Nevada primary tonight. You heard me right. I mean, U.S. News and World Report is calling the Nevada primary for Nikki Haley, and the polls are still open. How about Super Tuesday, that big win? Well, here's the reason why. Because even if she wins the primary tonight, she doesn't get any delegates. Um, she won't be able to claim any momentum. Her home state primary in South Carolina is on February 24th. By then, it should be a foregone conclusion. But why is she supposed to win the Nevada primary tonight? There's one very simple reason. That's because there's also a Nevada caucus coming up, and that's on Thursday. Now, lawmakers in the, on the GOP side in Nevada wanted to switch from a primary debate to a caucus. You'll notice that Iowa, for example, has a caucus. New Hampshire has a primary. What's the difference, you ask? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment, but let, let's put this together. Basically, Donald Trump does not appear on the ballot for the primary today. And the reason he does is because Nevada lawmakers have moved to replace the presidential caucus with a more traditional straight-run primary. But so far, Donald Trump didn't want to do it. Nevada apparently has always had a caucus. They decided to go with a primary format this year. However, not everybody went with it. The difference between a primary and a caucus is kind of um, nitpicky and nebulous. A caucus requires people to show up at a specific place at a specific time and then cast their votes. Whereas the primary, you get to vote all day long. Sometimes mail-in voting is the way to go. Well, <laughs> a caucus typically has the people who are very, very you know, uh, devoted to their candidate showing up. Because Nevada decided to go to a primary this this year, but not all the candidates agreed, they actually are holding a primary and a caucus. For some reason, Nikki Haley 
entered on the ballot for the primary. Perhaps she was thinking that the primary was the way it was going to be. But instead, the GOP is going to say, look, the caucus is where we're going to give out the delegates. And whoever wins the Nevada caucus this Thursday is going to get all of the delegates, all 26 of them, by the way. Now, a state government-run primary does not stop a political party from holding their own caucuses anyway. So just because Nevada uh, lawmakers decided to make the primary the way to go, the GOP in Nevada, very heavily supported by Donald Trump supporters, decided that they would do caucuses instead. And by doing so, they basically said, look, the primary is not where we're awarding delegates. The caucuses are. So you have to choose one or the other. You can't do both. And Nikki Haley chose the primary and Donald Trump chose the caucus. Now, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, By the way, Tim Scott is competing in the primary tonight as well. Uh, Former Vice President Mike Pence also still on the ballot in the primary. There's just one problem, of course. You've heard it here on the Bottom Line Show. Both men have actually dropped out of the race, formally suspending their campaigns. Uh, Vice President Pence hasn't endorsed anybody in particular as yet. Uh, Senator Scott has thrown his support behind Donald Trump. And he did so knowing that they're going to go to the Palmetto State in South Carolina, where Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, Nikki Haley, former governor, and Donald Trump's going to compete against Nikki Haley, and he's going to have Tim Scott fully behind him. Now, when the candidates are getting together on Thursday in the Nevada Republican caucus, the only two candidates under consideration are someone called Ryan Binkley, a Texas businessman and a pastor, and Donald Trump. I think I might have talked about Ryan Binkley on the air. That's how much of an impression he made on me. Ron DeSantis was going to be in it. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Chris Christie, uh, Doug Birdgum, the the governor of North Dakota, all decided that they were going to file to compete in the caucuses to try to get the delegates, but they've wound up suspending their campaigns, and so they're not going to be on the ballot. So basically, what's going to happen is today there's going to be an election for the GOP primaries, and they're going to pick Nikki Haley because she's running pretty much unopposed. But on Thursday, they'll have the caucuses. All 26 electorates are up for grabs on Thursday, and Donald Trump will win because nobody else is on the ballot, basically. Republican, Nevada Republican Party Chairman Michael McDonald uh, was at a recent rally for Donald Trump in Las Vegas, and he said, we will deliver to you 100% of the delegates of the state of Nevada to Donald J. Trump. Now, the Democrats are also having a primary today. Uh, it's interesting because uh, U.S. News and World Report said uh, President Joe Biden is heavily favored to win the Nevada Democratic primary after a strong showing Saturday in South Carolina. Um He ran against two no-namers in South Carolina and got 96% of the vote because he's basically running unopposed. Republican, or Representative Dean Phillips is up there. And Marianne Williamson, you know, the woman who created Touched by an Angel? Yeah, she got, uh, Phillips got 1%, Marianne Williamson got two. Um, Of the undecided voters, the majority of them went with uh, Joe Biden. So, 
kind of a non sequitur at this point, but people might be asking, why is it that Nikki Haley and Donald Trump aren't running against each other in Nevada, but they're both on the ballot? That's the reason why. By the way, California primaries are March the 5th, the first Tuesday in March. And well before that, you will see Roger's recommendations. We've got all the House seats that are up for grabs, the propositions that'll be on the ballots. It will be very interesting too. There are 875,000 people running for senator in the People's Republic of California. I kid you not. I thought Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Steve Garvey, who else is on there? Good golly, there are a lot of people who are running just for notoriety. For your sake, as well as for mine, I will not handicap all those people. I'm going to pick the three top Democrats and Steve Garvey. And I'll throw Eric Early in there, too. He's kind of a moderate uh, Republican dude. And tell you why. Well, let me give you a hint. It's time for Dodger baseball. That's who I'm picking for senator. (laughs) But you'll see it all in Roger's recommendations, and they should be up on or about President's Day. Don't hold me to that, but I'm going to do my best to get them to you. As we continue... Uh, Donald Trump making campaign headlines. And of course, there's all sorts of uh, questions about the legal challenges as the uh, as the uh, the race begins to the herd begins to thin, as it were. Um, The legal problems seem to be just heating up. Christina Bob is the president's attorney. She's the author of the book called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will be giving away a copy of that book today. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. President Trump's attorney, Christina Bob, coming up next as the bottom line continues. Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com cover. That's C-O-V-E-R. Well, as we get into the campaign season, one thing is becoming abundantly clear, and that is if you are a part of the Republican Party, your candidate is more than likely going to be Donald J. Trump running for re-election. What does that mean for the church? What does it mean for America? And will there be potentially any legal challenges to this? Joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show is the only woman in America who could answer all of those questions and more. Her name is Christina Bob. She's a former investigative reporter and an attorney who traveled the country trying to figure out what happened with the election fraud and rigging case. She wrote an outstanding book on this subject called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. She is now currently under the employ of the aforementioned Donald Trump as his uh, attorney on the campaign trail. Christina Bob, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Kind of exciting times right now. I mean, it's a four. I think it's a foregone conclusion. Most of us knew there were a lot of people who talked a really great game in 2023 about who might potentially knock Donald Trump yeah. off. But now that as we are sitting here today, Iowa caucuses happen, New Hampshire primaries happen. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that it, it's his. 
Any surprises yeah. in your camp? I mean, well, no. I mean, I guess the biggest surprise recently is the fact that he's the only one on the caucus ticket in Nevada. Nikki Haley's mm -hmm. team either couldn't get her act together to get her on the caucus ticket or didn't understand the difference between the caucus and the primary and put her on the wrong ballot. I don't oh, know no. what happened there. But <laughs> well, um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. he, so Donald Trump's going to claim Nevada, which is great. So he'll mm -hmm. have a clean sweep of the first three. Yeah. And there, and there, and then it just kind of goes on from there. So as we settle into the reality now, does that make your job easier, more difficult? I mean, I realize you're his attorney, so it's not necessarily like you're the one guiding the whole campaign, but so far it seems like in spite of the headlines and the breathless coverage of MSNBC and CNN to talk about all the horrible things that are right. happening in Donald Trump's world, it seems like right now, so far the campaign is clean as a whistle and firing at all eight cylinder, cylinders to use a couple of mixed euphemisms there. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I'm at Save America and I work primarily on uh, election integrity, uh, mm -hmm. you know, partnering with grassroots efforts and folks on the ground to figure out how we can secure these elections in, in each and every state. Um, but the campaign, it, the campaign is unstoppable. I mean, I think any politician ever in American history would absolutely kill to be to have the kind of campaign that Donald Trump has right now. I don't I don't think many of them would be willing to take the arrows and the shots that he's taking. Right. Um, but his campaign is one of the strongest and best I think this country's ever seen. Christina Bob is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and she is President Trump's campaign attorney. She's the author of the book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024. That book is permanently ensconced at thebottomlineshow.com because it's so helpful. And we'll get into a few more particulars about the, the thoughts of the uh, electorate as to whether or not uh, 2024 might be another rigged event as well. Um, there have been some legal uh, wranglings that have uh, shown up recently in the media with Rudy Giuliani and then, of course, with President Trump and some uh, some pretty hefty uh, civil fines handed down as well. Um, the, to me, that just kind of seems like uh, some political Hail Marys to try to keep President Trump potentially off the ballot is that do they have any legal basis in those Christina well Bob? the New York cases and the civil fines that that has no merit whatsoever no basis whatsoever to keep Donald Trump off the ballot or interfere in his campaign other than propaganda political opposition you know misinformation that type that type of uh campaign strategy uh, the Biden campaign the Biden administration I should say uh, it has weaponized our justice system against Biden's political opponent for the purpose of interfering in the 2024 election. So um, that that's all that those cases do. They will they won't have any bearing whatsoever on whether or not he's on the ballot. He will be on the ballot. Let's be very clear about that. The Supreme Court is hearing that Colorado case to, to make that determination, which will pretty much settle mm -hmm. everything else for the rest, all of these other cases. Uh, that'll be heard on February 3rd. And that that will be a decisive victory for Donald Trump. I don't think that will be a close victory. It's not going to be a 5-4 ruling, not going to be a 6-3. I don't even think it'll be a 7-2, maybe 8-1. It might even be unanimous. And people mm -hmm. go, oh, you're, you're being too optimistic. I'm really not. If you look <laughs> at all of the cases around the country that have looked at this, uh, this case has been brought before Michigan, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Washington, Oregon, uh, you know, there's a whole slew of a Minnesota. I mean, there's there's a lot of very blue states uh, that have oh recently Massachusetts. 
that have taken a look at this and they're all deciding in favor of Donald Trump with one exception, which is that Colorado Supreme mm -hmm. Court. Every other case in every other blue state has sided in favor of Donald Trump. This Colorado decision is an outlier uh, it, and it really is just a political ploy to interfere with Donald Trump's campaign. So when I say it's going to be a very decisive uh, decision by the Supreme Court, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm looking at the other cases that are coming down and all of the other cases are siding in President Trump's favor. And I expect the Supreme Court to do the same decisively. Well, that is interesting information and encouraging. Nice to get it straight from the source, from Christina Bob, who is President Trump's campaign attorney, uh, today here on The Bottom Line, talking about the Supreme Court ruling that's pending for, of course, our listeners in California and Colorado are very, very eagerly watching that one. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty easy for the even the average armchair pundit like yours truly to look at a case like Maine and say, wait, he didn't get convicted of anything, wasn't even charged of anything, and yet you want to try to keep him off the ballot? For those, yeah. I mean, heaven help us if thought crimes wind up putting us behind bars, Christina. Yeah, Paul. well, that's exactly right. And in Maine, it wasn't even a case. It was just the Secretary of State, a very partisan political operative who just decided on her own. It wasn't mm. brought before. I mean, it was eventually brought before a court and, you know, it's now pending the Supreme Court's decision. But initially it was just a political operative that was like, mm, no, I'm not going to let Donald Trump on the ballot because mm. I personally have decided that he's not eligible. That is crazy. And it's tyrannical. It, it's, it's a very yes. serious problem. So the Supreme Court, uh, it's going to be a decisive victory for Donald Trump. You know, and, and it's interesting too, Christina Bobbish, you're, you're sharing that story about the, uh, was it the secretary of state in yeah. Maine? Or, yeah. We're making this decision unilaterally. We talk about this a lot here on the Bottom Line Show, the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, about how often we look at Democratic Party platform operatives who operate outside the law and then ask the question, can a person of faith actually support a party that does this? Here in the People's Republic of California in the 2022 midterms, Proposition 1 passed because the campaign issue, it was all about abortion and enshrining abortion rights in the California Constitution. But what happened was the their campaign ploy was, if you don't do this, you're going to lose democracy. I mean, democracy is at risk. And I'm thinking, yeah. wait, have you guys seen what's happening in Maine right yeah. now? I mean, this, this is that's a bigger threat to democracy than the overturning yeah. of Roe versus Wade. And I think that's one place where a lot of people might disagree in terms of thinking about how Donald Trump is kind of a loose cannon. But some semblance of normalcy would be restored in Washington, D.C. if in January 2025, Donald Trump was taking the oath of office as the 47th president of the United States. Oh, I mean, I don't even think it would just be a semblance of normalcy. I think I think when Donald Trump gets back into the White House, America will be ushered into her most prosperous era that we've ever had. I think we're now aware uh, and wise to the schemes of uh, the globalists and you know those that want to siphon America's wealth for a select few. And it's all going to get corrected. It's all going to get exposed. And I think when that happens, we will have a very, very prosperous nation. Christina Bob is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the author of the book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Christina Bob is my guest, and uh, she's becoming quite a uh, popular, regular contributor to The Bottom Line Show. She wrote a book 
uh, that was actually, this is kind of how she and President Trump kind of connected. Uh, She was working as an investigative reporter. Uh, She covered the 2020 election. She thought something smelled a little fishy, and so she started digging in. She was not necessarily a Trump supporter or Republican or whatever. She just wanted to find out what the heck happened to our electorate and system. There's a a major leading poll. We're going to do an analysis, balance, and clarity segment coming up in the the third half hour of the program today, where we're going to look at the number of Americans, Republican, Democrat, Independent, pick your party, who really don't trust the legal system anymore because of what happened. In 2016, they just couldn't believe Donald Trump won. But in 2020, there were over 300 irregularities in the federal elections leading up to the 2020 election. And uh, many of those cases have been reversed um, in terms of the, you know, the initial two weeks before the election. There's one in North Dakota that wasn't about mail-in ballots coming in, being postmarked after the election. But almost every other funky uh, business piece of legislation that was either written or passed by the state attorney general, state Supreme Court, whatever, in different states all across the country has actually uh, been overruled. So President Trump was right to say, hey, they stole the election from me, but they didn't really steal it. They kind of rigged it and booby-trapped it. And as Christina Bob writes about in her book, Stealing Your Vote, it wasn't just Democrats who did it. There were a lot of Republicans who kind of sat idly by and watched this thing all happen and unfold right before our eyes. The book Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024 is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We do have a copy for giveaway today and would love to place that in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Christina Bob is doing a fantastic job, I think of helping us understand what's going on behind the scenes of the Trump campaign. But also on the other side of this break, we're going to get into a little deeper expose, if you will, with regard to people of the Christian faith, you and me, who are looking at the electorate and saying, okay, and looking at the candidates and saying, okay, well, we tried Trump in 2016, but there are a lot of people who profess faith in Christ who voted for Donald Trump in 2016, who maybe held their nose and voted for him in 2020, or maybe just turned away, who are now saying, I can't get with this guy. And those uh, that chorus seems to be growing louder and louder. So what does the Trump campaign think of this? Uh, we'll talk about that with Donald Trump's attorney, Christina Bob, coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out, so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account, and then while you're on the phone, and ask about our accounts that pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. 
Christina Bob is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the author of the book, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I know we've had this conversation before about the book, but a new story just came up, uh, Christina, even I think it was in my feed today from the Epic Times about a recent Gallup poll or something like that, indicating that Americans on both sides of the political aisle really do still have some apprehensions, some concerns about after seeing what happened in 2020, seeing the way that uh, Democrat and Republican operatives alike sought to basically remove Donald Trump from office and try to do so ostensibly legally, you know, through the legal system. A lot of people still have apprehension about 2024. Your book focuses on, okay, here's what happened now four years ago, and what does this mean for the new year? Are you encouraged by what you're seeing in terms of states that have gone back and done course corrections over you know, election integrity laws? Uh, I am encouraged, uh, but I honestly am not impressed with the states, right? I mean, they can change the laws all they want. What we saw in 2020 was the Democrats and some Republicans just broke the law. Mm -hmm. So I love, you know, voter ID laws. That's great. Yeah. You know, are they going to be enforced? So what I'm really encouraged about is the amount of people who have gotten involved. There's mm -hmm. a massive swell of people who recognize the problem, who want to fix it. And they've gotten involved in grassroots organizations in their local areas to clean up voter rolls, to canvas, mm -hmm. to uh, FOIA or open records requests from your counties to uh, you know, get access to the voter rolls, all of that stuff, scrub your voter rolls. Um, that's what needs to happen. It needs to happen at the precinct and the county level. This is not gonna be a top-down cleanse, it's a purge from the bottom up. And you know, Mike Lindell has put together a great network. If you're looking for a place to get plugged in, uh, you can go to causeofamerica.org, C-A-U-S-E, causeofamerica.org, and send them an email and just say, this is the city and county that I live in. And they'll send you a list of grassroots organizations in your area where you can get plugged in and help clean up your county elections. And that's so important because oftentimes I know that because of social media, a lot of people think they have a platform. And so mm -hmm. they think I'm doing something because I posted this on Facebook or I reposted something else on Instagram or whatever. Right. But the, the reality is if you don't go through the proper channels, if you don't find the established order, um, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And I and I, yeah. a little pun, I'm sure you probably get tired of hearing that. But since Mike Lindell put this together, I know Americans will sleep much better on their my pillows every night, knowing that they've done something to try to clean up voter rolls or you know wherever. I'm, I'm always amazed, but I'm not surprised, Christina Bob, when I read about, hey, did you know there are more registered voters in Washington D.C. than actual people living there? You know, yeah. and, and you, you think, okay, is this some really sinister act? But uh, let's face it, if somebody moves from one county to another, or one state to another, a lot of times the rolls don't get cleaned up. A neighbor of mine used to get uh, he had purchased a condo from a family of someone that dad had passed away and they kept sending you know here in california dad kept yep. getting ballots every two years and this guy said what do i do with these i get do i vote do i not vote i said please don't vote oh my gosh yeah if you get caught for voting twice you're gonna wind up in jail but that kind of stuff happens all the time doesn't it christina bob yeah i mean we we saw it in 2020 right and i think wisconsin is one of my favorite examples there's about 3.5 million americans who live in wisconsin and are over the age of 18 uh, presumably eligible voters not looking at citizenship not looking at uh you know if they're felons or whatnot just assuming that they can legally vote yet their voter roll has 7 million people on it what oh my gosh they twice it, they oh, have wow. twice the number of voters as eligible voters in the state. Hmm. 
And they say, oh, well, some are inactive and all that. Right. But as we saw in 2020, inactive and active, Mm -hmm. the inactive voters were voting. Right. So um, I I don't fall for that active versus inactive thing. Sure. Paging Mayor Daly, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think scrubbing voter rolls is one of the best things that Americans can do. And you can do that from your own home. You know, get in, coordinate with a group. There's grassroots efforts and they divvy up sections of the voter roll, they coordinated amongst themselves and you can sit at home and go through and check, you know, check registrations and, you know, mark down the ones and put the evidence together. And then you submit it to the uh, counties and by law, they're required to move, remove them from the voter roll. So uh, get involved and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Christina Bob with me today here on The Bottom Line, President Trump's campaign attorney and the author of the great book called Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Of course, we're talking about the presidential election. There are gubernatorial races. There are House and Senate races uh, that are really hanging in the balance. Christina, talk about what President Trump, and I'm Referring to him that, I still think he's worthy of the title since he served in office. I would say President Carter, President Clinton, you know, that type of thing. But understanding that Donald Trump's the only one of those guys I just mentioned who could actually go back in the White House and do more things. Um, what What is the mood like? I mean, he has the reputation of being a bull in a china shop. And yet, you know, the, the idea that coming back in, when he first came in in 2016, 2017, it was kind of new for everybody. Now he's a known entity in the executive branch. He has some alliances, or maybe he doesn't. A lot of folks have jumped ship, and especially in the in the House of Representatives. What are you anticipating as you move forward? I mean, I realize you're on the, the legal side, not so much on the campaign strategy side, but what is he anticipating in terms of who are the alliances? I've seen a lot of names coming yeah. up as we're supporting President Trump, but what are some key alliances that could give us some hope that this is going to be a really strong and robust candidacy? Well, I think any candidate who's running on the Republican ticket needs to align themselves with Donald Trump and the MAGA movement, the America First movement, or their campaign probably isn't going to survive. I don't think Donald Trump needs alliances in the true sense of what an alliance is, meaning, um, you know, you watch my back, I watch yours, we do this together. Donald Trump is is on his own, very much on his own. Uh, nobody can keep up with it. Nobody can keep up with him and do what he is doing. So for those that want to be a part of his movement, it's either you get on board and you do what we're doing or, you know, good luck. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. So it is It is Donald Trump, not just Donald Trump's race. It is Donald Trump's election, the whole ticket. Mm-hmm. And so Americans are paying attention now too, and for those excuse me, those Republicans who, uh, you know, maybe aren't so Republican, I think they're going to struggle a bit. Mm-hmm. Christina, what do you what do you make of, and what's the campaign strategy for the disenfranchised, I'll call them evangelical voter, who said, "Okay, 2016, I'm going to roll the dice. We'll give it a shot. 2020, maybe I'm not so sure about this." And now they're just sick of hearing of Christian nationalism and all that type of stuff. That they 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 just want to distance themselves. Is there a concern that there might be enough of that group that would say, "Heck, we'll vote for Blinky the Wonder Mule rather than Joe Biden or Donald Trump"? You know, we 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 just don't. There's the, a the conscious issue. Is, is what's your research telling you about those people? I don't understand why any uh, conservative evangelical would be tired of Donald Trump. I mean, he 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 historically, you know, he created a new Supreme Court with the Dobbs ruling that yes. basically that did overturn Roe v. Wade. He has been consistently conservative and he has been such a great friend to the church. 
I can't fathom why any conservative Christian who actually is paying attention would, and, and I guess I'm just asking you, like, why, why is that a concern? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I think too, because when you see, there are some people I think who kind of get moralistic and, you know, a little self-righteous, which I don't have any patience for. I mean, you're, we're electing a president. We're not hiring a pastor or a pope. You know I mean? It's, it, he, he's supposed to do that executive job. The one thing that I keep coming back to is October 7th, 2023 is a whole different day in Israel if Donald Trump's in the White House. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no Exactly. Question. I mean, he's been, you're, you're exactly right. He's been a friend to Israel. He moved the capital back to, or the embassy back to Jerusalem. Uh, he's been very, very good to Israel, Jews, and Christians. And I, I, I'm sorry, I'm surprised because that, that's not something that we hear much on the campaign trail that okay. conservative Christians are... Mm -hmm. Um, disenfranchised, not by a long shot. I mean, that, well, that's good. To he's hear been one of our biggest advocates in the media social uh, social media bubble. You know the way it is. There, there are those voices that are loud. But I understand. You know, you're talking about three or four percent of the population trying to speak for everyone. So I mean, that's just that. Well, uh, I would imagine that those three or four percent don't actually know what they're talking about. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, if you uh, actually look at fair. the issues and look at what the church is trying to accomplish, Donald Trump has been the biggest advocate. Uh, so. I would challenge anybody, name an issue where he wasn't in line with the Christian church. Fair enough. And fair enough. Christina Bob is with me today here on The Bottom Line, the author of the book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. We do have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you want to find out what happened, I mean, she's an investigative reporter. She's now uh, Donald Trump's campaign attorney. Um, what's Two questions just to kind of wrap things up. The obvious question is going to be, who's he going to choose for a running mate? We'll get to that <laughs> later. But what happens to I mean, This is going to be obviously a very full and event-filled year for you, Christina Bob. What happens after the election in terms of, uh, you know, moving forward for you? Are Is there a cabinet spot for you? Are you <laughs> looking to move forward? Or is, is this just kind of a, th this is the season that God has you in right now? Yeah, you know, who knows? Like, who who knows what happens after the election? Um, I am not particularly looking for a cabinet position or anything else. Certainly, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say no to anything or do what, I, I would be open to doing whatever the president wanted, but that's not my goal. My goal is not to, you know, seek a position for myself. Um, I just want my country back. So, um, <laughs> I love it. you know, I, I don't know what comes next, probably doing more of the same, what I'm doing now, but, um, just, so, I don't know. I, I don't okay. know what comes next. Okay. And the, the final question without putting you on the spot, which name pops up more often than any others for a vice presidential pick when you guys are just in the halls there, if you can divulge that? Yeah. Honestly, I, I truly don't know because everybody, I have not talked with him about it. Um, and with my colleagues, we all have our own preferences, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know where it's going to be, but, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. I know around here, I think we we land more on where it won't be than where it will be. You know, well, that's kinda... easier to see right now, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not going to be Nikki Haley. You know, right. not going to be Ron DeSantis. And I honestly thought, I mean, just in my heart of hearts, I thought, you know, Nikki Haley had what I thought was the right, you know, everything to partner with Donald Trump and take this thing in a landslide. And the fact that now apparently she's getting so much money from the Democrat. You she's know, a Democrat. Yeah, she yeah. basically is kind of running as a Trojan horse, and now it's just annoying. I mean, that's yeah, it personal, really is. It's obnoxious. Yeah. yeah, it it is. But then you know we could put Vivek out of the way because I don't think that would be a good ticket. I mean, I like his his. It won't be anybody who ran against him. I I right. okay. would be okay. 
shocked if he picked anybody who ran against him. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, good. Well, that and and that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good. It'll be a fresh voice, someone that maybe we are familiar with, but hadn't really thought of in that capacity. And uh, I'm sure that uh, because he has that kind of astuteness and a good team around him, he'll make the best decision. Christina, Bob, the book, how relevant now? I mean, I know you wrote this a couple of years ago, but how relevant as things are shaping up, looking back on the book you published a year and a half ago, um, what does stealing your vote mean now for us preparing for the 2024 elections? Yeah, so it actually just came out a year ago. It came out oh, last ago, January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's more relevant now. Like as we, the closer we get to 2024, the more important it becomes. Yeah. So check it out, learn, educate yourself, and please get involved. That's what it and, comes down to. And I love the fact that you came at this from a nonpartisan standpoint. You just said, I want to find out what happened because everyone keeps talking about it. And the more you uncovered, you began to realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, we got robbed and uh, we want it. We, like you said, I think we all just want our country back. Yep. Uh, Christina Bob, the book Stealing Your Vote is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Thank you for checking in. I know you guys are busy on the campaign trail. Hopefully we'll have a few more visits before we get to November. But thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's always good to get a catch up with Christina Bob, especially now that the campaign trail has heated up so uh, quickly. And uh, her book, Stealing Your Vote, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. The inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We do have a copy of the book we're giving away today, 800-227-5278, uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, look for Christina Bob's book. And, of course, during the course of the campaign, we will have Christina Bob on the here. And who knows? Maybe she'll be able to get her boss to come on board. It was funny. I had a friend the other day say, well, you do realize that if we do get, uh, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump on the uh, program, then we'll have to have Joe Biden on there, too. W wouldn't you love to have Joe Biden come on here and talk about his plan for reelection in 2024? I mean, I think it'd be fascinating. I'd be really fascinating. I don't know how anybody who professes faith in Christ could vote for the guy, but I'd still think it'd be fascinating. What do you think? Let us know in the chat. Go to the Capebrite app if you haven't downloaded it already. Uh, Crystal and Tamara's on there too. For everybody, Lisa Lovin calling in when Tamara was on phone duty um, and love to talk to her. You can chat with her on the live chat uh, at kbrightradio.com and the Capebrite app. As we continue, a quick little analysis, balance, and clarity regard with regard to uh, something that Christina Bob has alluded to, the younger voters who are voting more conservatively. All we ever hear from the left is, well, you know, here's the deal. Young people want abortion. Young people want leftist values, progressive values, democratic socialism. They don't want those conservative Bible things that are, that are all, you know, full of hate and venom and this, that, and the other thing. But is it true, as Jim Healy used to say, that young people actually do really think that abortion rights are the biggest issue. After the 2022 midterms, you would think that that's all Democrats can say. You know, if you don't vote for abortion rights, there are democracies at risk. But one of the leading uh, fact-checking organizations for the left is actually going to make an interesting claim about that claim. Let's get into that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show, Super Tuesday edition of the program. I'm Roger Marsh. If you missed my conversation with Donald Trump's campaign attorney, Christina Bob, then you really owe it to yourself to go back to thebottomlineshow.com or go to myhopenow.com where we have video of the two of us and, uh, and, and have a watch the conversation, see the dialogue as, as things are going on back there. Christina is the attorney for the campaign. She's not handling the legal challenges and the civil cases and this, that, and the other thing. 
But she is there to ensure that the Trump campaign, A, stays on the straight and narrow, but B, this is something Donald Trump didn't have in 2016 and didn't really have in 2020. He had mouthpieces. I mean, he had spokespeople, Jen Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, etc., who had legal backgrounds, but they weren't his actual attorneys doing this type of work. Christina Bob's different. She researched the results of the 2020 election, found the corruption on both sides of the aisle, and then wrote a book called Stealing Your Vote About It, which we're giving away. Uh, You can go to thebottomlineshow.com or call 800-227-5278. But basically, that got President Trump's attention, and he thought, well, I mean, mean, no disrespect to Jen Ellis, who's been a regular on this program for quite a while until she wasn't. Instead of having someone who could talk a good game about politics— on the media outlets. Christina Bob actually practices law and did a lot of research that she basically wrote into a uh, a doctoral dissertation, if you will, if not a master's thesis, on how the election of 2020 was rigged. And if you want to keep that from happening in 2024, you'll pay attention to it. Now, one of the campaign issues, we, we talk about this a lot on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, on the Bottom Line Show, the fact that Democrats do a way better job of messaging than Republicans do. Their messages don't always make sense. They don't always add up. And in some cases, I'll say it, they're not even factually accurate. But that doesn't matter because they present it in meme form or bumper sticker form and people believe it. For the midterms in 2022, they came to places like California, Colorado, Minnesota, and they said, if you don't vote to enshrine abortion rights and provide abortion protections in the Constitution and protect women's health, our democracy is at risk. If a guy like Donald Trump wins re-election in 2024, our democracy is at risk because the renegade Supreme Court, who took away a woman's right to, to abort her child, took away her right to her own pregnancy and her own abortion care and her own control of her body and her medical decisions. Now, you might think, don't be so sarcastic. I'm not being overly sarcastic. I remember the day that uh, the uh, Dobbs versus Jackson case went down. I was literally having my windows tinted on my car. We just purchased the car six months prior. And for some reason, they didn't tint the windows. So I had to go to a little nice little shop. Good Christian guy did it. I pulled out of the parking lot having had the windows tinted. And the first thing I saw was a billboard that said, in California, abortion is... And the the word abortion was spelled out like Disneyland or something. It had all these different attractions. And that's when Gavin Newsom started to make California an abortion destination as well as a transgender surgery destination. And so they worked as hard as they could to tell people your democracy was at risk if you even thought about voting for Donald Trump because look at what he did with the Supreme Court. They took away a woman's right to kill her child. They took away her own. She doesn't have, we're set back 50 years. You have no control over your health now. None. I'm not being sarcastic. That's the passion that they used and people bought it. They believed it. There's nothing in the Dobbs decision that takes away a woman's right to health care or access to health care. Nothing. And yet the left told young women, you're at risk, and college-educated single white women bought it and voted against it. And that's why Proposition 1 passed. And they're going to do the same thing with other states, and they, they, they use this kind of rhetoric. So the question is... Is this successful because of a media campaign or is this successful because that's what young women really believe? On the other side of this break, we're going to get into a, uh, uh, 
<laughs> There's an organization called PolitiFact, P-O-L-I-T-I, and then capital F, Fact. PolitiFact does what they, they, they describe themselves as uh, publishing the accuracy of claims by elected officials and others on its truth-o-meter. And then they rate the truthfulness of the statements. Now, we know that we love the idea of someone actually fact-checking what people say on the internet, but the reality is most fact-checkers need to be fact-checked, right? I mean, the one Snopes and all the other ones that we used to think, oh, well, they'll tell us if it's true or not. Turns out they're all owned by these left-wing conspiracy theory places. And you don't find too many fact-checkers. That Think of the bottom line show as your fact-checker. I mean, I would be honored if you did. And if we delivered for you. Every now and again, I get hoodwinked by a, an article or a link or something like that. And someone will write to me and say, hey, dude, you got catfish. That's not true. That never happened. But that does happen. And I appreciate listeners who, who point that out to me. But here's the case. Uh, Hope Carnop of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel took a look at a statement that was made by former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, who did a great job in that state. He was on WISN-TV's morning show program called Upfront. Basically, she evaluated a statement that he made on January 21st on that program and summarized that uh, Scott Walker said college voters' top issue is the economy, not abortion. Is he right? Well, what exactly did Scott Walker say and what did PolitiFact say about what Scott Walker said? We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're going to be a parent that's going to be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one-time donation to preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker is teaching the left about what happens when a conservative man gosh, a white male conservative governor, actually makes a statement that sounds so bizarre to them, but it turns out, uh, well, you have to ask, somebody had, at least Hope Karanop of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, took a look at a statement that Scott Walker made. He was on the WISN-TV program Upfront. She summarized his contention. Scott Walker said that college voters' top issue is the economy and not abortion. And then she asked the question, is he right? Here's the quote. The everyday concerns of American are, Americans are the economy. Even young people that we work with at Young America's Foundation, Scott Walker is now the president of Young America's Foundation, he said, our polling shows nationwide the top issue for college students is the economy. 
Now, his claim, quote, caught the attention of the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal because uh, the turnout for the most recent statewide election in Wisconsin was dominated by liberal college-age voters who were motivated by abortion, according to Ms. Carnot. So the poll then, which was conducted by Echelon Insights, did it actually represent young people? Carnop interviewed Michael McGonigal, the group's director of public relations, who directed uh, PolitiFact, uh, Wisconsin, uh, PolitiFact Wisconsin to the poll highlights and the data, and here's what she found. The poll asked participants to select up to three of 11 issues in randomized order that they were most concerned about. The leading answer, 38% of college students and 37% of high school students said that the top answer for them was the economy. School safety was next. 45% of high schoolers, 29% of college students. Then came gun policies, followed by education, the environment, and climate change. Number six on the list of 11 issues important to high school students and college students in Wisconsin was abortion. So after pouring through the data, the reporter, Ms. Carnop, said, and I quote, So the heart of Scott Walker's claim appears to be correct. The group's polling showed that the economy was the top issue among college voters. Well, who'd have thunk? According to uh, Charles Franklin, who's the director of the Marquette Law School poll, they, he was asked to review the poll, and he said, Echelon Insights, who conducted it, is a well-respected pollster. While a couple of questions were framed in a way to elicit a certain answer, he said the wordings in general were straightforward. I expected to see a much more slanted survey, he wrote, because interest groups normally do that. They ask questions in a way that benefit their group. So I was pretty struck by what it took to be a pretty even-handed set of questions. Yes, there are honest politicians, and every now and again, you find an honest journalist who is willing to do more than just regurgitate the headlines from their other left-leaning publications that they follow. That's what makes this such a lonely job, brothers and sisters. And I mean that most sincerely. Digging and digging for hours just to try to find the truth. Knowing that so many people are either just regurgitating what they saw or they're doing reactions to reactions to reactions of what they saw that may or may not be true. So Scott Walker said the top issue for young students, college and high school age in Wisconsin is the economy. And lo and behold, he was telling the truth. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next for you. For those who remain on the network, let's get into that study about what the top issues are for voters and why so many people republican democrat independent and more are looking at the 2020 uh, election results still to come with a certain measure of disdain do more americans not trust the polls we'll get into that coming up next as the bottom line continues well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you're staying dry for our California listener base. Uh, understanding, of course, that you when you see the video, my uh, colleague Neil Boron lives in Buffalo, New York. Uh, when, when they were going through their blizzard and stuff, I would text him and ask how he was doing, and they went a couple days without power. So Neil's a good guy. He, I'm not saying the other guys aren't great. The four of us get along fantastic. But if any of us have any kind of conversation behind the scenes, it's typically Neil and me. And he reached out uh, today that some health issues going on with my dad. He wanted to see how things were going there. And then he said, hey, are you, you guys washing away? And I said, well, we're, we're holding up pretty good. 
But, you know, you have to understand, and I was explaining to Neil, there are certain areas in California where we don't drain that well. So you're, you're more susceptible to water and mudslides. When Silverado Canyon gets four inches in 24 hours, like we did on Sunday, that's going to be a problem. When downtown L.A. gets hit, downtown Long Beach, um, when San Diego, you know, is still digging out from the last mudslide and now here comes more mud, it's going to be problematic. But, you know, it is kind of symptomatic, too. When you think about what people are going through, I know for me being out and about the past couple of days, yeah, there's been rain, but it hasn't been catastrophic for us. The winds haven't necessarily materialized to that catastrophic point. I know my daughter and son-in-law who live in Conroe, Texas, went through the second worst freeze in the state of Texas uh, last month. They, they had a, about a two-week spell where it was uh, only three years ago was colder. It's the coldest winter they've had there in 15 years. And they weathered the storm uh, fairly nicely. So, you know, sometimes when you see what's going on, you, you have a tendency to read the headline and then you kind of jump to some conclusions. And, and trust me, that I, I've, I haven't used this line in a while, but I feel like it's appropriate to use today. We have to make sure as Christians that we have two better sources of exercise than running off at the mouth and jumping to conclusions. When it comes to news headlines, remember back in 2020, November 3rd, 2020, November 8th, 2016, two dates that for many people will live in infamy. November 8th, 2016, of course, is the day that Donald Trump was elected 45th president of the United States, and half of the American left lost their mind. Sell your stock, get ready to move, the economy's going to crash, it's going to tank, it's the end of the world as we know it. And of course, four years later, the economy was thriving, unemployment was at record lows, interest rates were in great shape, and then the pandemic came because they had to do something to stop Donald Trump. Joe Biden wound up winning in a landslide and actually had the courage to go on national television and said, I won this election fair and square. About a month later, Time Magazine read a huge article basically outlining and delineating the ways that Democratic operatives, well, maybe this is a year and change afterwards, after the dust had settled, outlining that, no, they weren't really stealing the election they weren't even really rigging it. They just had to change a whole series of laws to, quote unquote, save democracy. <laughs> Saving democracy by basically running a shadow campaign. And here, Molly Ball ran this. I think it was in time. There's a link uh, at thebottomlineshow.com. It's in this article in the Epic Times. In, in 2021, she ran an article called the, Hist the Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election. She outlined what she called a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. While praising the effort, Ms. Ball said that the actors, quote, were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it. And then she went on to name DNC operatives, union leaders, tech and social media companies, Wall Street bankers, a network of nonprofit donor funds that pooled hundreds of millions of dollars to finance what she called armies of poll workers, and it got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. Now, remember that 2020 was the year of the pandemic and we were told that we were all going to get COVID and die if we went to the polls and voted so we had to stay home and vote through the mail now I have voted full disclosure 
I registered to vote in my first election in People's Republic of California. I voted for Ronald Reagan for president in 1980. I think my parents just found out now and they are they're 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 convulsing <laughs> as we speak. Uh, but my parents, lifelong Kennedy Democrats, all about education. Republicans don't like education. Uh, John Kennedy was for social change, you know, didn't like George Wallace, was, you know, desegregate schools, John Kennedy, John Kennedy. And they are of a generation of people who still under, operate under the delusion that the Democrat Party is the party of John Kennedy. It's not. It's the party of Barack Obama. It's the party of Kamala Harris. It's the party of the squad. It's the party of democratic socialism. And now it's the party of Joe Biden. So if you are still voting Democrat because you remember John Kennedy, then I got news for you. That was 1960. It is now 2024. But the audacity of a writer from a publication that used to have some credibility, like Time Magazine, basically, the, the, I think the biggest change, besides all the negative media coverage, I mean, that was, you know, there was always the Russian collusion and China's going to influence the, watch out. It was a concentrated effort, as we saw the last week or two, in testimonies with the House of Representatives, um, I believe it's the House test, uh, subcommittees, uh, Mark Zuckerberg from uh, from Meta and all the other tech companies addressing the issue of the fact that so many young people have been driven to end their lives because of social media groups and bullying, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just one aspect of where social media has gone completely amok. Another one is in the political world. And we participate in it, so we, we really can't blame them exclusively. But the idea that social media did such a hit job on smearing candidates and you know spreading disinformation and then the cover of well everyone's going to have to vote by mail because if they don't vote by mail we're all going to get covid which was not true and fauci knew it and the, the cdc knew it and the wuhan lab in china knew it but no one cared now all of the big four the six foot distance the hand sanitizer the wear a mask the social distancing None of them stopped the spread of COVID. And every time I see people in public still wearing masks, I'm like, oh, guys, I get it. If you've got the flu and you're coughing and wheezing and you need to go out, put on a mask so you don't get that stuff all over people. Other than that, shaking hands and hugging and going to church is not going to spread COVID. But that, that was the cover they needed. Democrats knew they wanted mail-in voting back in uh, House Resolution 1 in 2019 when they took over the majority in the House of Representatives. And they knew it simply because, first of all, more Democrats vote by mail than Republicans. So they figured they would bolster their numbers for voter turnout if they made it mandatory, number one. Number two, and I can't stress this enough, I registered, uh, to, I, I voted in person in 1980, and then in 1984, I got my first radio job in San Luis Obispo. I was living in San Luis Obispo County. I was still registered to vote in Orange County. I wanted to vote in the primary in 1984. So I filled out for an absentee ballot so I could vote in the Orange County election when I was down visiting my parents. And I mailed it in, and I got used to it. And then I got married, and then we had kids, and then we had a family, and I wasn't always available on those Tuesdays to go vote. So the absentee ballot was my best friend so i vote two-thirds of the voters in california vote absentee maybe even more i think it might be up to five-sixths now a lot of people in california vote absentee so that doesn't make you a democrat democrats statistically vote by mail more than republicans do number one number two they like early voting remember the richard daly phrase the mayor of chicago vote early and vote often uh <laughs> 
Yeah, they, they, they cheated. They didn't even care. California legalized ballot harvesting because Democrats wanted to use it to their advantage. And then they went after and punished as many other states as they could where they were doing ballot harvesting illegally. Not because they didn't want ballot harvesting. They just wanted every advantage they could get. Was the governor of North Carolina had to step down because he was elected, it turned out, because people were harvesting ballots. And that was not legal in North Carolina. But it was legal in California and it got Mimi uh, Walters thrown out of her congressional seat and katie porter came out of uci and out of nowhere basically and won and now she's running for senator if you can believe that katie porter in her subsidized housing that she doesn't really live in it's a two million dollar home and it's basically hers but it's subsidized because she's a professor at uc irvine thank you taxpayers of the people's republic of california but these changes in the election law also here's the big one i can't stress this enough please understand this is not a partisan issue. When ballots are sent to people's homes, if the majority of Californians or the majority of any state are getting ballots mailed to their homes, bad people will steal them. <laughs> Have you ever had anything stolen from your mail? You ever come home one day and saw something that looked like it was a check and someone ripped off the top of the envelope? I literally came home one day and found a check that I had received from a client I'd done some business with and they had sent half the envelope Somebody ripped off the dollar amount and the signature. There, all that was through the window was paid to the order of, and the post office had the courage to put it in a Ziploc bag and said, oops, sorry, your parcel was damaged. Yeah, it was damaged. That was my livelihood that got damaged, and it took a month to get it replaced. Thank the Lord for Dave Ramsey and savings accounts, but I, I, I digress. Opening the door for widespread mail-in voting opened the door for voter fraud. Democrats knew that was going to happen. And while we can't prove individually, I mean, outside, there are a couple of cases where there was a city that threw out some ballots. And I think Project Veritas just had to uh, issue a formal written apology because they had heard that there was a, a judge who was uh, accepting uh, ballots past the postmark time in Erie, Pennsylvania. And it turned out to be hearsay. And all the ballots, they were counted. And they said, hey, our bad, we screwed up. That's one of the few cases where an accusation was made that didn't turn out to be true. So what about this shadow campaign in 2020 and the fact that somebody on the left were actually patting themselves on the back for rigging the election so Donald Trump couldn't win and the mainstream media didn't care? Let's take a look at on the other side of this break how many people are actually being impacted by this. It's not just conservatives. It's not just Christians. It's not just Republicans that are concerned about this. And we'll talk about some practical ways that you can step up and do something about it as well. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers. And he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery. That There are three options. And the third one involves basically 
choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the pre-born banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology. And we're saving lives and saving babies through pre-born. Click on kbrightradio.com. Hit the pre-born banner today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm glad to have you along for this special analysis, balance, and clarity segment of the program because there's a great piece written in the Epic Times uh, put together by the Epic Times staff. Kevin Stockland is the lead writer on this. And it's an analysis of the 2020 election. It kind of goes hand in glove with Christina Bob's book, uh, Stealing Your Vote. Um, but here's the deal. The, the, what happened in 2020, where Democrats definitely gained an upper hand in the election, um, it, it's interesting. Because in the decades leading up to the 2020 election, you knew that there was going to be a battle that had, you know, each side had their strength. Republicans had money and the Democrats had boots on the ground. People could actually go out. Uh, it's interesting how Republic, there's a book out called The Victory Lab. A journalist by the name of Sasha Eisenberg wrote and said, hey, this is something where Republicans really excelled at fundraising. They spent heavily on messaging, paid television ads, radio, online ads, etc." Democrats, on the other hand, would concentrate on urban centers. They would go door to door. They'd get students and union leaders, and they would stir up their support. But in 2020, the landscape changed, and the reason it changed can be identified in this article in Time magazine. A woman called Molly Ball wrote a piece that said uh, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election, where she basically said, look, here's what happened. We did everything we could to, quote unquote, save democracy. Their overriding goal was to keep President Trump from winning a second election, and they did so illegally. Intense legal pressure on state election officials to loosen voter integrity laws. They created a data nerve center that contained the personal profiles of voters to predict how they would vote. They put together an alliance of left-wing foot soldiers to bring out Democratic voters in key swing states. You know, Demo uh, the, a state like Georgia that was historically red and has a Republican governor and Republican secretary of state didn't just go blue for two Democratic senators overnight. All hands on deck. Everybody go to Georgia. The voting laws were such that you could drop in, not, not have to prove your residency, register to vote, vote, then take off. It's kind of a, an informal way of stuffing the ballot box. But quite frankly, here's the thing. The Republican order of business had been, we're going to have good candidates and we're going to be principled and we're going to give good speeches and we're going to raise money and buy TV ads and by golly, we'll win. And the Democrats said, to heck with that. This is guerrilla warfare. We're knocking on doors. We're changing laws. We're threatening judges. We're putting pressure on state legislatures. We want secretaries of state to change mail-in voting requirements two days before the election. And it worked. They filed more election-related lawsuits than had ever been filed in an election year in U.S. history. The mantra of Rahm Emanuel and the Democrat Party, we never let a good crisis go to waste. Basically, they all sorts of lawsuits sponsored by the Democrat National Committee took on state legislatures, they took on Republican governors to drop voter integrity practices. 
Um, this is from a book called Our Broken Elections by John Fund and Hans von Spakovsky, who I think we found Hans on before. Here's a quote. The effort involved voting base, voiding basic security protocols on election procedures, including absentee ballots and pushing for the equivalent of all mail-in elections, which would give their activists a free hand in pressuring, coercing, and influencing voters in their homes in ways that they were unable to do in polling places. To force these changes, they ended up filing more election-related lawsuits than had ever been filed before. And perhaps the most enticing of all the electoral opportunities presented by the pandemic and the civil unrest, the George Floyd and all that stuff, was the advent of the universal unsolicited mail-in ballots. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the number of people who cast their ballot by mail in 2016 was 21% of the American voters. Okay, hold on to that number. By the 2020 election, the number of American voters who cast their ballot by mail was 43%. In their book, Mr. Fund and Mr. Von Spakovsky wrote, the flood of millions of mail-in ballots opened the system to unprecedented confusion and largely untraceable fraud. And then they said, there's a reason that a bipartisan commission co-chaired by former President Jimmy Carter back in 2005 called mail-in absentee ballots, quote, the largest source of potential voter fraud in America, and that most countries in the European Union have actually banned postal voting over the same concerns. The Heritage Foundation, conservative think tank, they keep an ongoing database of cases of voter fraud. They've documented 1,500 cases to date, and of those 1,500 cases, 1,276 cases have resulted in criminal convictions. They said that illegal voting has resulted in election results being overturned in at least a dozen state and local races. Now, the left-leaning Brookings Institute says that what's recorded at the Heritage Database may sound like big numbers, but the findings encompass more than a decade of data during which nationally hundreds of millions of votes have been cast. But consider this. Victor Davis Hansen pointed this out on one of his videos, and I believe we spotlighted it here on the Bottom Line show late last year. Typically... When you send out something in the mail, the chances of it actually getting to the mailing address you're sending it to are uh, pretty high. Piece of junk mail is going to get delivered 90 to 95% of the time. In elections, if the amount of voter fraud stands somewhere around 4%, that is considered to be a clean election. When we talk about voter fraud, voter fraud can be innocent. It could be somebody who is registered to vote in one county, didn't realize they didn't register in another county, and now they're registered twice. That's something that we'll, we'll get into the action points in just a moment. But there are people who do accidentally vote the wrong way. Case in point, I share this story often. A colleague of mine, a pastor, he and his wife bought a condo, South Orange County. They bought a condo, the condo, it was an estate type of sale. Uh, elderly gentleman had passed away. His kids sold the condo. They did not notify the registrar of voters that their dad had passed away. And so the next election cycle, here comes the ballot information to my buddy and his wife and to the deceased man who previously owned the, the place. They took it to their polling place and said, hey, look, this came to our house, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he inadvertently, you know, he's no longer with us, so he's not voting. That went on for 10 years simply because the, the gentleman's children did not realize that they had to unregister their dad from voting. Now, there was a story involving a uh, Colorado, I think, or maybe somewhere in the Midwest, 
a talk show host who was going through a bit of a bitter divorce. He and his uh, now former wife weren't seeing eye to eye on anything. And there was a case where they had their ballots. They both used to vote by mail. And she was not living at the home when I guess they were separated and uh, when their ballots came. And so to spite her, he took his ballot, filled it out and set it in. And he took her ballot, filled it out and set it in as well. Well, when she didn't get her ballot, she thought, no harm, no foul. I'll just go to my polling place and I'll tell them I'm registered absentee and they can give me a ballot. You can imagine the surprise on her face when she got there and tried to get her ballot and was, was informed she had already voted. I understand he went to jail for voter fraud. <laughs> Not a pretty picture. 8% of respondents to a recent survey said a family or a friend, member, or an organization offered to pay them or reward them for voting in the 2020 election. That's almost one out of every 10 Americans who voted said they were bribed in some way with some kind of reward or some kind of membership or just here's some money. You've heard about the large urban centers where Democrats go around like with cigarettes and beer and stuff like that. They find people who are homeless. They help them get some Social Security benefit going. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe they have a bank account. But then they find out getting their ID and they register them to vote and vote for them. That's been going on for quite some while. But here's the deal. Um, Justin Haskins, who's the director at the Heartland Institute, told the Epic Times, we asked people if they had voted by mail in a state in which they are no longer a permanent resident, which is voter fraud. And one in five respondents who voted by mail said, yes, that was in fact the case. In other words, they had moved to a different state, they'd registered to vote by mail in that state, or they just got the ballots in 2020 because they were mailed out. And oh, by the way, your other ballot came in the other state and they voted there too. You ever wondered how Joe Biden got 81 million votes and Donald Trump got 74 million when the last time around Hillary Clinton got 66 and Donald Trump got 63.5? Take a final look at what we can do to stop voter fraud in the 2024 election. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out So you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. This is something that you as a conservative, as a Christian person, can have in common with your neighbor because chances are they do too, even if they are kind of a left-leaning, liberal uh, type person. And that is, everyone is concerned about voter integrity. And everyone seems to be concerned that the other side, quote unquote, is trying to take theirs away. You saw this happen in Georgia, where the Republican-dominated Senate and the 
there, and the Republican governor passed an election integrity bill in 2021. It was to tie up some of the loose ends that had been created by all the cavalcade of new laws in 2020. We heard it from the left. Uh, Stacey Abrams, they're, they're trying to send you back to the Stone Age. Joe Biden, this is Jim Crow on steroids. Then remember what happened in the, the 2022 midterm elections? Not only was the highest voter turnout in the state of Georgia for a midterm election, but the number of minority votes, especially African-Americans, was an all-time high. The same people who were told by Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden and any other Democrat who had breath in their lungs that this was going to suppress their vote. This is going to hold them back. It was a lie that they told them. First and foremost, we have to stop blanket mail-in voting. If you want to vote by mail, there's a process you can go through. There has to be signature verification, identification verification, so that people like me who choose to vote absentee, as does my wife, we're more than happy to sign, put up the right information, and vote and have it counted properly. The blanket, let's send out the votes to everyone, just leaves the door wide open for voter fraud, number one. Number two, get on your local registrar of voters and find out how many people are registered to vote in your area. And then how many people are eligible in the District of Columbia? You know what the, the number of registered voters is compared to the number of people who actually registered are eligible? It's 103%. You know what that means? For every 100 people who are eligible to vote in D.C., 103 of them are registered to vote. That's called voter fraud. <laughs> Whether someone did that fraudulently or someone just didn't leave the district or left the district and didn't change their voter registration. L.A. County recently had to dump a million people, which is the city of L.A., off of their voter registration rolls. And the reason was because they don't live in LA anymore and they're no longer registered to vote. So it's very simple. Register to vote, number one. Number two, if you are listing in a state where you could get an absentee ballot and you don't want anyone getting your absentee stuff ahead of you, register as absentee and then be ready to go to the polls and prove that you are who you are. And number three, sit on your registrar of voters to start purging the roles of people who are no longer with us in terms of mind, body, and soul and spirit, or people who are no longer with us because they moved. It's really very simple. I had to do this, Lisa did too. When we first got married, we lived in one county, we bought a home in another county, we had to move there, we had to cancel our registration in one spot and get registered in another spot. It's well worth the effort. But please know, if you're looking for an issue that you can find some common ground with with your more liberal and progressive friends, they're just as concerned about voter fraud as you are. So maybe that's the place to extend the olive branch and say, hey, let's have a conversation. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.